0: Oh. <sniffs>
2: To
3: sing this yeah. Thank you for tuning in to Ask a Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. For those of you who don't know about the show, the show is in two parts. Not necessarily equal parts, but in two parts. The first part of the show, we deal with estate planning elder law. The idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally, avoiding going through court, avoiding probate, And as far as elder law is concerned, our main focus is trying to save assets from nursing home bills. The second part of the show, we deal with politics, history, religion. Tonight, we're going to be talking a little bit about history. We're going to be talking to the incredible Ed Bars former historian for the National Park Service, guy who was on Ken Burns' the Civil War, and he's going to be talking about one of the favorite generals of mine, one of the favorite generals of Ed Barr's, fighting Tom Sweeney, who's buried in Greenwood Cemetery. And fighting Tom Sweeney was wounded three, four times during the Civil War. He was court-martialed three times and allowed to retire on general's pay. Tom Sweeney, we're going to be talking about the incredible Tom Sweeney at the end of the show. And meanwhile, we'll, we'll talk a little bit now about estate planning and elder law. With me is Justin Daly who complained to me a couple of weeks ago because he said I only had nice people on the show from our office. And he says, why don't you get a disagreeable Irish guy like me? So I said, okay, we'll give him a shot.
4: And today he's here. How are you doing today, Justin? I'm doing very well. And I appreciate you for fulfilling the quote of uh, having disagreeable Irish people on the show. There's okay. not enough of us. So what do you do at Connors and Sullivan? Uh, at Connors and Sullivan, I primarily manage your real estate department, as well as I also uh, am an estate planning lawyer. You handle a lot of the real estate. And every
3: once in a while, we realize that sometimes we put a plan together and that Some person may go to a a local real estate attorney or accountant and maybe the transaction is not reported correctly.
4: Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, one of the big issues that we see out there is, you know, they'll hear from their friend or they'll get referred later on to, you know, their friend or maybe a family member who's an attorney to handle the real estate transaction. And unfortunately, we do all this planning and they don't fulfill that plan through various bad advice, such as uh, just not having the checks written the right way. I mean, that's just a very simple concept. Uh, They do the closing, the checks need to be written to the trust. Um, so they don't undo our planning unfortunately you know they'll have the check written to you know the individual parent who at that time really should not have the checks written to them for various reasons
3: yeah like occasionally you might set up a trust 10 years ago the asset the house and the trust is completely protected from medical bills nursing home bills and then they close on the house and then they write checks to the parent and all the protection that we had could be undone you know here's the thing don't and we don't want to knock the lawyers, but we all have our abilities and everybody, you know, makes mistakes. You know, don't think that all lawyers are the same. You know, like if you're going to get a divorce, you don't want to really step into our office. We're not going to give you the right advice. If you get hit by a car and you're in a car accident, again, you don't come to see us. We really don't know everything about it. And, you know... And, you know, if you're going to declare bankruptcy or something like that, again, don't step into our office. We really don't know the answers. What we do is estate planning and elder law, and that's all we do. And of the 60 employees that we have in our office, that's our primary focus, and that's what we do. One of the things we also notice when, and, and maybe you can address this, Justin, when somebody passes away, husband or wife, sometimes what they fail to do is take all the tax benefits that they, the surviving spouse may be entitled to.
4: Yes, I mean that's a that's a perfect example. Um, you know, they need to come to us. They need to address those tax issues and one of the big things is they need to come in at the time that somebody passes away sometimes they won't come in until the surviving spouse has you know passed away now you know with the changes that have been made to New York State estate tax it's not as prevalent of an issue um, since they raised the ceiling from a million dollars and it's now almost coupled with the federal but it's a huge issue they don't come in at the right time they don't know to come in we try to tell people like listen if a life event happens you need to come to the office you Need to talk to us, but unfortunately, more often than not, they forget to make that call.
3: When somebody passes away, it's not always easy to remember what you have to do. And some people think, "Well, all my assets are in a trust, and we don't have to go to probate, and we don't have to do go through court or anything." Which is what our goal is. But sometimes, it's, you want to get the the right tax advice. I'll give you an example. Let's say we have a husband and wife, and they own an investment property. And let's say the husband dies. And the house is in a trust owned by the husband and wife. The property is worth a million dollars when the husband dies. Well, the wife, the surviving spouse in this case, can get a write-off that that might be about $500,000, which means she can get twelve, thirteen thousand dollars $13,000 of her rent tax-free that she puts in her pocket. And a lot of times people don't get the right advice when that happens. And sometimes it's because accountants are used to dealing with people when they're alive. They're not necessarily used to dealing with people at death and some of the events that trigger either to their benefit it or not. And here's another thing I should mention, because there's going to be an amnesty. If somebody out there has, you know, your husband and wife passed away in the last couple of years, in the last four years, there's been portability as far as tax issues are concerned over the last four years. So let's say the husband died. The wife could file a estate tax return and take her husband's $5 million and pass it along to her estate so she can leave $10 million tax free. Now, the IRS put in regulation that you had to file a return within nine months of death. A lot of people forgot to file in those nine months. Well, there's going to be amnesty between now and January 1st. So if you're in a situation, let's say there was a husband and wife, they had a $6 million estate, or let's say they have a $6 million estate now, because everybody knows real estate's been going up for the last few years. So let's say you had a husband that died a few years ago, you had a $6 million estate. And there was no tax. There's no tax between husband and wife if they're both U.S. citizens. But let's say the husband died three years ago. Well, his wife could have filed a return where she would take his $5 million, carry it over portability, where she wouldn't have to pay tax on $10 million to her children. A lot of people forgot to do that. But there is an amnesty program. And what can that do for you? Well, let's say we have a husband and wife, and they have a $7 million estate. Maybe when the husband died, it was less than $5 million or close to it. But real estate's gone up. We file now. The wife passes away. If the children on a $7 million estate file a return, they're going to be paying $500,000 in taxes. If we file the portability return, they pay zero in taxes. So this is real money. And that's on a $7 million estate. If you're talking about a $10 million estate, you're talking about maybe $2 million in savings. You know, if you want to learn more about that, you can schedule an appointment with me or one of the accountants. At Connors & Sullivan, you can give us a call at 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. If you want to sell your house, Justin,
4: what are the things they should go over? Uh, Some of the things to go over if you're about to sell your house, is it the right time? That's probably one of the first questions to ask. Uh, are you ready to make that sale? Uh, you know, is your family ready? I think that's one of the, f- the first big questions to ask. And then you can call our office to schedule the appointment, bring in a copy of the deed, and we'll get going from there. And here's another thing, you
3: know, a lot of t- times people don't realize, let's say, again, husband and wife, husband dies, and everybody knows the husband dies first. That's common knowledge. But, <laughs> but let's say the husband died a few years back. The house was worth $800,000. His half was worth $400,000. The wife on the sale of that property, I'm going to assume now that it's a one family house and we haven't written anything off. The wife gets that $400,000 to her basis, which means that $400,000 goes out tax free to her. And if the same property has been her residence for more than the last two years, then she would get another $250,000 tax free plus half of what they paid for it when they passed away. We have to factor in then the improvements they made into the house, either before the husband's death or after the husband's death. And again, The job of Connors & Sullivan, the goal of Connors & Sullivan, is that you, your family, has to pay the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally. We don't want to pay more than we have to. We want to take full advantage of the tax laws. We're not afraid of being audited because everything we're doing, we're doing according to the law. But at the same time, we want to pay the least amount in taxes that we need to pay legally. I know most of you out there work very hard to pay the mortgage off on your house. And the last thing you want to do is work hard, pay the mortgage off on your house. And then years later, your kids have to pay taxes. We want to do it the right way. You want to do your planning the right way. You want to do your planning so that your children don't have to pay taxes. And a lot of times when you do your planning, it's good to get the right advice at the beginning. And again, Justin, which office do you work out of?
4: I work primarily out of the Brooklyn office, but uh, usually a few times a month, I'm also in the Middle Village office, Manhattan. And at times, I also visit our Bayside and Staten Island offices. Okay. Uh, one one other point I just want to touch on with the tax minimization that we do provide to people, um, you know, it's best to come visit us, you know, before you list that property, because again, timing is everything here, and sometimes it's not. The time isn't right to sell your property, especially when you know there's different factors that can come into play, um, and it might be time to wait a little bit. You made a good point before. Where are you going to move to? There are a lot of
3: senior citizens. They've been living in their house for 40 or 50 years, and they they say, "Well, the house is too big. I've got too many memories, bad memories here. My husband died in the house." And then they move and they move into a small apartment, and it's really not that easy to adjust to apartment living after you lived in your own house for 30, 40 years.
4: And, and you know, just the stress that it puts on somebody who's in their late 70s, early 80s, who's trying to do the sale and then the purchase, uh, you know, and especially with all the different, you know, available resources that New York City provides its senior citizens versus, you know, moving the, the parent out to Nassau County or New Jersey. Uh, people, I think they don't take into account all of those things. One of
3: the longest life expectancies in the world is those people who live in New York City. And again, you're close to good medical care no matter where you are. There are good home care services in New York that you don't get in New Jersey. And it might be close to Nassau County or Westchester County, but not as good as you can get in New York City. So before you move out of New York City, give it a second thought. And real estate taxes are a lot better in New York City than they are in some other parts of the state.
4: Yeah, I can't agree more.
3: We need to take a short break. At the end of end break, we'll have a you know a few minutes more of conversation, and we'll be talking to Ed Bars about fighting Tom Sweeney. Thank you for listening to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors.
5: Hello, this is Father Frank Pavone, of Priests for Life. The pro-life movement is winning. One of the signs of progress is the growing mountain of medical evidence that abortion harms women, men, and families. Even researchers who identify themselves as pro-choice are coming to this conclusion and publishing their research. Abortion advocates try to hide and bury this information. But so much of it continues to come out that their efforts to hide it will not succeed much longer. Abortion really destroys itself. The more it continues, the more it reveals itself as an enemy of the human family. Those who advocate abortion say they care about women's health. But if they do, then they will have no honest rationale for ignoring the harm that abortion does. As the mountain of medical evidence against abortion grows, so should our hope that it will end. This is Father Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life.
1: For our Ask the Lawyer friends and listeners, you can attend any of Connors and Sullivan's free seminars on elder law, Medicaid, wills, and estate planning, and more.
3: Yes, it's all free. So come to Connors and Sullivan's free seminars.
1: On Monday, July 17th at Vesuvio Restaurant, 7305 3rd Avenue in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, at 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 7 p.m., at Buckley's, 2926 Avenue S in Sheepshead Bay, Brooklyn, on Tuesday, July 18th at 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 7 p.m., and on Thursday, July 20th at the Montauk Club, 258th Avenue. Parkslope, Brooklyn at 3 p.m. and 7 p.m.
3: Can't go to any Connors and Sullivan's free seminars? Then call Connors and Sullivan at 718 238 6500 for your own free office
1: appointment. Make an educated decision on your estate and family legal solutions today. Just call Connors and Sullivan at 718 238 6500 or go to ConnorsandSullivan.com. Connors and Sullivan. Plan now for later. Time now for Connor's Corner, where Mike takes a closer look at topics like history, politics, religion, and more. Here's
3: Mike. Welcome to the Connor's Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. Right now, I have with me Ed Bars, the legendary Ed Bars. When he was in Brooklyn a couple of months ago, we drove by Greenwood Cemetery. And I happened to mention that General Tom Sweeney was buried in Greenwood Cemetery. And Ed told me a couple of Tom Sweeney stories, so we decided it would be a good time to get him on the air.
6: How are you today, Ed? Very good. Now who are really you awaiting your talk? A call. Enjoyed the night I spent up at your house uh two months ago. All right. So who was Tom Sweeney? Oh, Tom Sweeney is a uh, uh, typical Irishman of that period, the Irish famine. Uh, He's going to be born in County Cork on Christmas Day. So his mother got a Christmas present on Christmas Day, 1820. His mother will... uh, Emigrate. I know little. Uh, Take his father is not important in the life. This is at the time of the potato famine. His mother will come to the United States and scout it out before probably. Uh, Natalie has to leave her son in Ireland because she will come back and uh, when he's twelve years old, they will uh, they'll move uh, to they'll migrate. And become citizens of the United States, living in New York, living in the New York City area, uh, and his, and he will be uh, very interested in the Uh, militia. uh he, he is going to. Uh, be interested in joining uh, a militia regiment uh, that will become part of the 1st New York in the Mexican War. Uh, And he enlists in the Mexican War as an enlisted man, and he'll be assigned to the 1st New York uh, Infantry, uh he will see considerable action in the Mexican War and in the uh, uh in in in, uh, in the fights on the approaches to Mexico City being a part of Scott's army uh he will uh in an engagement uh, will uh, lose his right arm. He will uh, have his right arm. This would be on the approaches to Mexico City. He decides to stay in the Army. You can do it at that time. And will uh, jo- join the, the, the regular Army. he will join the regular Army. And uh, in uh, 1848, and... Uh, be commissioned a lieutenant in the regular army. He will find himself out in Missouri uh, when things start heating up with the approach of the Civil War. Uh, He's still in the United States Army. Uh, He's now a captain in the United States Army, and he will... uh, uh, he will volunteer for service uh, with the missouri and uh, he will serve under the uh, he will enter the missouri state guard uh, militia unit of pro-union troops on the first day of january 1861. Missouri will be an opening uh p- uh place for uh, combat uh, just like in uh Manassas and there, uh, there the first he'll be present in the first engagements in Missouri he'll be uh under he'll be serving under uh a union force that is that is going to under General Lyon. Lyon's a real hothead, a real pro-union uh, soldier, regular army man, West Point graduate. So he could observe. Uh, uh, he could observe our hero well, and. Uh, he uh, and he will be accompany Lyon when Lyon's army moves out of St. Louis, uh, drives the foe uh, Missouri State Guard out of Boonville down into Southwest Missouri. Our hero will see his first action at the Battle of Carthage on the third day of uh, of July. Uh, 1861. This is one of the first engagements in the uh, Missouri area, and he will be uh, he will be mentioned in some reports of some reconnaissance he does preceding the Battle of Wilson's Creek. Wilson's Creek will hold the same position in the West that Manassas holds in the east. It's going to be the first big battle in the west. It will be fought on the uh, 10th day of uh, August 1861. It's known as generally the Battle of Wilson's Creek. Uh, He'll be under General Lyon, Lyon will get, become a, a trivia pursuit person because he will be the first Union officer killed in the Civil War. Uh, Sweeney will be wounded fairly badly at the Battle of Wilson's Creek. That'll be his uh, first of his uh, three wounds he's going to receive. Uh, he will be uh, then transferred from the regular army and will lead uh, and will be soon in command of the 52nd illinois infantry which will get him up to being a colonel now he is going to uh, see his first action at uh, uh, as the uh, union uh, in grant's army now, the Grant will be his commanding officer, and Grant is going to win the first big battles in the West for the Union. Sweeney will be uh, will be present at the uh, at the Battle of Fort Don at the Battle of Fort Donelson on the fifteenth day of November, of, uh, of February. The first big victory the Union has. He will uh, go as Colonel of the 52nd Massachusetts, of uh, the 52nd Illinois, and, uh, and he will see action at the Battle of Shiloh. Uh, he had been, uh, this will be his, uh, this will be his uh, uh, second, uh, this will be his third wound. I should have mentioned he was also wounded at the Battle of Fort Donelson, uh, which is on the 15th. So at the Battle of uh, of Shiloh, uh, he will command a a brigade in general uh, General Wallace's division. And in his brigade, they're going to lose very heavily. They're going to be engaged in the Hornet's Nest. And they're going to see heavy action. Wilson will receive his, uh, our hero will receive his third wound there at the Battle of the Shadow. He will be lucky because a large uh, his, uh, he will, his brigade will lose over twelve hundred men. He will then participate in the siege of Corinth uh, again, still as a as a brigade commander. He's now uh, he's assumed a brigade command as early as the battle of Rosa, as the uh, battle of uh, Shiloh, fought on the sixth uh, and seventh day of uh, of April. He will be present there as a brigade commander at the battle of the siege of Corinth and uh, he will uh, see action in uh, northern Mississippi and uh, western Tennessee. His next immediate action, and we'll see him uh, getting a promotion uh, to Brigadier General. He'll be promoted to Brigadier General in the first weeks of 1863, and he will see action against Confederate partisans uh, and occupation. He's going to get into really big excitement soon because he's going to be assigned to—he's uh, uh, he's now attached to the Army of Tennessee. He would be at Vicksburg uh, at uh, in the campaign of Vicksburg under General Sherman. He will then uh, participate, and this is where it gets more exciting. Uh, as a soldier, he will be a division commander as Sherman opens his campaign in, uh, in Georgia, uh, beginning the campaign on the, uh, in the first week of May of 1864. He, he will be in it as a division commander. And in his career is probably going to be somewhat unfortunate for him. He'll end up in the 16th Corps, which at this time is commanded by an important figure both in railroading and the Civil War. This would be Grenville Mellon Dodge. He will be an important person in the building of the first transcontinental railroad, and he is a kind of a micromanager. And this will not be too good, uh, for our hero. Our hero will, uh, participate in the, uh, uh campaign as the, as the Army of, of, Tennessee to which he's assigned to and as a division commander in the 16th Corps as they move southward and, uh, be engaged in action uh, such as Kennesaw Mountain, uh, the fighting around the dallas new hope line, and he will be uh, uh, doing well as moving up and uh, for a one arm man. remember his right arm ma his right arm is amputated probably just a few inches below the uh, uh, below where the uh, humorous engages into the shoulder. Now, he is going to uh, be uh, involved in the fighting on the approaches to a ladder.
3: Ed, we need to take a short break. We'll be right back in a few minutes. You're listening to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, talking history to National Treasurer Ed Bars.
4: I think I just found myself believing that i didn't need god i just had everything under control and church was actually a a burden to me i might have gone to church you know at christmas time gradually quit going
5: no i didn't take my faith seriously which which probably means i i never really got it to begin with
4: you can have a beautiful car a big fancy home If you don't have Christ in your life, there's an emptiness that's there.
7: We are enslaved to power or to greed or to wealth or to lust, especially as a man. But there's a true freedom to not be enslaved, but to
0: attach ourselves to God and to be free. Thank God I'm home. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person. I love it.
4: There's peace in our home that we didn't have before. You're coming home to a Catholic family where people today just embrace you. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason,
7: we invite you to take another look. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org today. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it hard to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress, a government-insured reverse mortgage may be the answer or might be the perfect solution for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner. I've been a mortgage specialist for over 20 years, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. Whenever I sit down with a homeowner, the number one question asked is always, which reverse mortgage option is best for me and my family? I personally will help you decide which reverse mortgage program is best for you. My job is to help active retirees find the best solution for their retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward, objective information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this FHA program might be able to help you and your loved ones now.
3: Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. We're in our Connors Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer, where we're talking history to former National Parks head historian Ed Bars, talking about one of our favorite Civil War generals, fighting Tom Sweeney.
6: Now his big day, his biggest day in the war is going to be uh, again uh, underscore uh, General. Sweeney and his personality. He's going to become an early me- uh, member of the Finian movement. Uh, that's the uh, uh, Irish uh, group that is going to uh, He's going to play a part after the Civil War. And, uh, is a group that's interested in carrying out what the Irish could not do in 18 uh, uh, in the Irish Rebellion of 1848, 46, and 48 when they lost. So uh, he is when he really becomes exciting, you really find out what a tough, rough man he is. We're going to move to the biggest battle in the uh, operations directed toward the capture of Atlanta. There he is commander of a Union division in the 16th Corps. Unfortunately for uh, General Sweeney, uh, the commander of the 15th Corps is General Mellon Dodge. And also in the uh, 16th Corps at that time is a uh, a guy that was uh, born in 19- 1827. Uh, this man would be born in England. Uh, he, his family will emigrate to the United States when he's seven years old. And uh, being a good Irishman, Sweeney is not uh, greatly enamored with uh, Englishmen. Uh, Fuller will uh, uh, be um, end up Settling up around Utica, New York, where he's going to work in a, book, uh, in a publishing company, a publishing law book. So that's going to give him his background in the war. I consider this the most exciting day if you're interested in personalities in the Civil War that I know of. The Battle of Atlanta is uh, going to be fought on the 22nd day of August. The uh, Union Army has crossed the Chattahoochee River and is closing in on Atlanta. Now, the commander of the Army of of the Tennessee is now uh, James Burson. He's a brilliant engineer. He uh, he has a great group of admirers. He's uh, very handsome. The women like him. And uh, When Sherman takes command of the army groups that he's commanding, uh, McPherson tells him that I'd like to go on a leave. I'm courting the lovely Emma Hoffman, who I'm engaged to, and we're going to be married. Sherman says, "Why don't you stay with me through the campaign?" That's going to be bad advice. uh, for uh, uh, for our various participants, we're talking about. And McPherson is going to remain in the campaign. So, the chain of command, of course, now is Sherman, command of the Army Group, commander of the uh, Army of, Ten- uh, of the Tennessee is General James Burgie McPherson, the commander of the 16th Corps is Grenville Mellon Dodge. And commander of one of the two divisions in the, uh, in the uh, 16th Corps is our hero. Commanding the other division present at the time at the Battle of Atlanta is General Fuller. On the 22nd is going to be the bloodiest battle in the, in the Atlanta campaign, known as the Battle of Atlanta. Now uh, the 16th Corps will, will be be at the beginning of the day, uh, posted in uh, uh, in Decatur. Uh, it's to the east on a railroad, to the east of downtown Atlanta. The Confederates now commanded by General John Bell Hood, who was taking command of the Army of Tennessee on the on the night of the 17th and 18th day of July, has launched a surprise attack on the Union extreme right, uh, on their extreme right, and scores somewhat of a strategic surprise. General Dodge receives orders from General McPherson, I want you to move your men west along the railroad going to Decatur, and then move it south to engage the Confederate force that has turned our right flank uh so mcpherson is going to say goodbye to general sherman for the last time and go down to take uh to give his active command of the of the army of the tennessee now uh so as they start moving in along from the south and east along what is now memorial highway they uh on the extreme union left is the division commanded by our hero and as they do they will engage troops from uh from uh general bates a confederate uh division Uh, i've been on the spot where it happens they uh General Sweeney thinks he's doing well. He has checked the advance of General Bates' division in its tracks. The Confederates, however, have scored a major success uh, to the west of where uh, General uh, Sweeney is engaged. This is the area where they're tied tie into another Irishman. Only the of only a Confederate Irishman, Patrick Claiborne. And Claiborne, his men are doing well. And in the fighting, about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, McPherson is going to be killed by uh, one of the Union soldiers. So now, just before that, there's been some trouble between the, uh, General Fuller, the Englishman, who, uh, who, there's some evidence that, uh, General Sweeney did not like General Fuller. Fuller starts out with two strikes against him because he's an Englishman. And, uh, and of course, Sweeney is an Irishman and he's a strong, he was a strong supporter of the young Irish movement and he's going to become a Finnian. So in the fighting, it takes place uh, in uh, in uh, Sweden's mind, Fuller's command is not carrying its full weight and uh, has been driven back. And in Fuller and in Sweden's mind, he's had to bail him out. And in his mind, also. General, Do- General Dodge, the commanding officer, has been present observing what is going on. On the 25th of uh, the month of August, they're going to have a staff meeting. Attending it are General Do- Grenville Dodge, the, command- the, the cor- commander, General Fuller, and General Sweeney. There's a wonderful drawing of it of uh, the three men. They're arguing of what happened and who did right and who did wrong. Now, General Sweeney is of the opinion that General Dodge had interfered in the chain of command and had taken the part of General General Fuller in the argument that is going on between uh, Sweeney and uh, initially Fuller. Now he's gonna try to be a peacemaker, and that's where they're going to have some real excitement. And I'm gonna have to read you a couple of statements that are gonna be made. Now remember, sweetie has a no right arm. Now I would be very I would not be very proud of myself if a man with uh, with one arm is going to more than hold his uh, his uh, his uh, way with two men with good right arms and left arms. Now, I'm going to get the exact quotes here. Now, Sweeney has taken the opinion that, that Dodge is support is joining General Fuller, arguing that Fuller isn't hasn't made the errors uh, that Sweeney says he has. On being on the scene, I would say that Sweeney had done a very good job so far in checking the advance of Bates' division that was advancing eastward, westward, along the Memorial Road. And to Sweeney's mind, Dodge has interfered in an angry quarrel between the two subordinates. Sweeney will turn on him with an angry eruption of ex Sweeney, you are a goddamn liar, sir. Note the sir. Then Sweeney thinks better of it. Sweeney will then say... Sweetie had addressed a superior officer, sir. Then Sweetie says You are a cowardly son of a bitch, sir And then he adds up as he takes a swing at as Dodge takes a swing at him. You are you are a goddamned inefficient son of a bitch, sir. As as this Dodge who has no as Both arms takes a swing at at Sweeney and is going to uh, uh, sock dodge in the nose. Then the three generals will, uh, then joined by by Fuller. they will both turn on Sweeney. All three generals broke into a, a disgraceful rough and tumble while amazed subordinates looked on in horror. Finally, the three were separated. Sweeney was placed under arrest and sent off to Nashville. He'll he'll be court-martialed there, but he will not be convicted. But his uh, military career is over, and and he will then, when he's uh, mustered out in 1865, he, his activity with the Finians will become more important. The Finians had been eager to organize these Irish brigades. There were two Irish brigades in the army of the Potomac, and what they planned to do, the Finnian movement, was when the war was over, we're going to cross the Niagara River near Buffalo, we're going to cross the river and enter lower Canada. They do it. Sweeney is not on the site yet. He's bringing up reinforcements. Uh, the Irish are thinking the United States ought are, are to be on our side. After all, we fought for the Union, not the Confederates. And uh, they uh, cross the border. They engage the Canadian militia, and they beat them. So they win their one battle when they beat the Canadian militia. The Redcoats were getting ready to intervene. Then the United States, in the minds of the Finnians double cross them. They freeze the border. They arrest a couple of Padres. They arrest Sweeney. So Sweeney cannot cross the border and take charge of the Finnians. As they hopefully will seize Lower Canada and hold it for the independence of Ireland, Sweeney will then uh, will um, say a member of the Finian uh, movement. He does not. Uh, he uh, is released after he's arrested and uh, returns to New York and will settle in Astoria, New York. And that's where he'll live uh, until he dies. In uh, uh, in the late eighteen nineties, he'll die, and then he'll be buried, of course, uh, where we talked about there. So that's the the, the career uh, fighting Tom Sweeney, uh, and uh, I, I enjoy this immensely. This story. <laughs>
3: Thanks to Ed Bars for bringing history to life, talking about fighting Tom Sweeney. We'll be right back.
2: As Sunday dawns at Shiloh from out to darkened pines For Sidney Johnson's vanguard On Grant's raw battle lines The dread ravine re-echoes With the crash and batteries roar Their rebel yell high-peeling With Hardy at the fore, like huddling on the river Swill Sherman's push command And across the course of conquest Tom Sweeney takes a stand He says we're here to die then, while by while by lit sunset's glow, his flag he points to heaven and his bayonet to the foe. He saves Transylvania in glory and Sherman's laurels too, and rules rescue column, come bristling into view. Then swaying in the saddle, he slowly led away, while the cheers rang out for Fighting Tom, the savior of the day. Cheerful, keen and valiant, he corbs his chafing horse. Amid his hard-pressed soldiers, he stands an untold force. His sword and sleeve hangs empty, it tells them of his past. This day, they feel, means victory, or will it be his last? His lone left arm is wounded, down drops his bridle rein. His horse is pierced by bullets And he grimly mounts again He says we're here to die, men While it by sunsets glow His flag he points to heaven And his that to the foe He saves Graf's glory And Sherman's laurels too While Bruce rescue column From bristling into view Then swaying in the saddle He slowly led away While the cheers ring out For fighting Tom to save of the day. For the honor of the army now rests with him today. His men's through steady bodies repel the lines of gray. Each mad assault grows stronger while his brave soldiers fall. Re-echoing his other, the clear loud bugles call. Bring up, bring up the colors tis answered mid a cheer. His thin light rallies around him with the colors in the rear. by sunset's glow, his flag he points to heaven and his bayonets to the foe. He sails Grant's waiting glory and Sherman's laurels too, while Blues rescue column come bristling into view. And swaying in the saddle, he slowly led away, while cheers ring out for fighting Tom, the savior of the day.
6: We all know someone who's been touched by cancer. It's the second leading cause of death. And it took the life of my father, John Wayne. But even in his final days, he was thinking about helping others and publicly campaigning to raise awareness about cancer. His courage and grit inspired our family to do everything we could to fight the big C, as my dad called it. So we did something about it and founded the John Wayne Cancer Institute 35 years ago to advance life-saving research. Our discoveries are fundamentally changing the way cancer is treated around the world. Cures are within our reach, but we can't do it alone. I'm Patrick Wayne, and I'd be honored if you joined us in the fight against cancer. You can make a lasting legacy by helping to eradicate this deadly disease. Together, we can save lives. To learn more, visit jwcigiving.org. That's jwcigiving.org.
3: I have children. How can I protect them if something happens Will my to assets them? be lost if I go into a nursing home? We have property. How will it
4: affect the ones still here? Who will help us take care of Grandma?
3: All right, again, thanks to Ed Bars for bringing history to life, talking about fighting Tom Sweeney. Again, one of my favorite generals of the Civil War. And if you're in Greenwood Cemetery, Tom Sweeney's gravestone head marker is close to Fort Hamilton Parkway. And you get a map, you can figure it out, but see Tom Sweeney's last resting place if you happen to be in Greenwood Cemetery. Now, again, we have to thank Ed Bars for this. And I'll I'll tell you this right now. I was listening to the rehearsal, let's say, of this interview a few weeks ago with Ed Bars. He does not use any notes. He does not refer to any notes. He's doing his whole monologue, so to speak, from memory. And you really have to appreciate the guy's memory and his ability to deliver a story. If you ever get a chance to see Ed Bars, and it's, you know, he's 94 years old now. We may not know how many more times we get an opportunity to see Ed Barr, so let's take advantage of it. Next week, we're going to be shifting gears entirely. Going to be talking to an old friend of the show, Don Murray. For those who remember Don Murray, he was one of my favorite westerns from Hell to Texas, directed by Henry Hathaway, where, you know, he gets in a dispute with uh, Dennis Hopper and Chill Wills and their family. But, of course, that was not the only film he did. He did Bus Stop with Marilyn Monroe. He did The Hoodlum Priest, a film that he helped produce. Very serious movie about capital punishment. He also did Shake Hands with the Devil with James Cagney. Again, a serious story about the Irish rebellion in the 1920s, The Troubles, and two sides of the same coin. You know, one Irishman who wants to Stop the Fighting, another one who wants to continue the fighting in the 1920s. That was Shake Hands with the Devil, starring James Cagney and Don Murray. Also had a younger Richard Harris in that film. He may be best known for the young senator in Advise and Consent, but now Don Murray is still acting here, you know, like, when he's 87 years of age, and he's going to be on Twin Peaks, or he is on Twin Peaks. Don't ask him what Twin Peaks is about, because he has no idea. He's just showing up, and he's reading his lines, and he's enjoying working with David Lynch. But Don Murray, you know, one of those guys connected with history, best known, I guess, for his role with Marilyn Monroe in Bus Stop. But again, a little bit of Hollywood history with Don Murray. He's going to be our guest. Next week. In future weeks, we're going to have on some historians again. We're hoping to have Ron Hunt on again and Pudge Rodriguez, Hall of Fame catcher. We're going to be talking a little bit about Russian history. We're going to be talking to Master of Alaska, Roger Seiler, who wrote a book about the governor of Alaska during the early parts of the 19th century, and it's some history that I haven't learned before, and you know that's what we're here about, learning history. Now, I know some of you tuning in the show learn about estate planning and elder law, and I understand that, and I'm balanced off the show. This week, we weren't here because we were at sem- ceremonies at Greenwood Cemetery, but if you want to learn about estate planning and elder law, you can come to any one of our seminars in July. Monday, July 17th, we're going to be in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn at Vesuvio Restaurant at 7305 3rd 7305 Avenue. We're going to be there 11 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 7 p.m. Admission is free, but please call us in advance so we have an idea of how many people are coming so we can set the tables and the chairs appropriately. You know, because very rarely do we turn people away. Occasionally we do. Very rarely do we turn people away. But at the same time, we do want to know how many people are coming so we can set the room up properly. So pre- please give us a call at 718-238-6500. 718 238 6,500. Tuesday, July 18th, we're going to be in Brooklyn again. Nostrand Avenue, Buckley's, 2926 Avenue S, corner of Nostrand Avenue. Again, we're going to be doing that at 11, 3, and 7, Tuesday, July 18th. 11 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, 7 o'clock at night. Thursday, July 20th, we're going to be in the Montauk Club. The Montauk Club is on 25 8th Avenue near Grand Army Plaza. You know, great, some great Civil War statues in that area. And we're going to be there at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, 7 o'clock at night. 258th Avenue that's Thursday July 20th some of you say hey wait a minute he's only doing Brooklyn seminars Has he forgotten about us well in August we're going to be doing seminars in Queens then in September we're going to be doing a seminar in Manhattan we're going to be doing a seminar in Staten Island so we'll get around to most of the city and you know if any of you out there if you have a, a not-for-profit organization a church group a synagogue senior citizen center, You'd like us to do one of the seminars there. Please feel free. You know, you give us a call. We don't obviously we don't charge for the seminar. Just tell me, give me about a month's notice in advance. Tell me how long you want me to speak, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour. We'll do it. It's absolutely free. We're trying to get information out there and you're more than welcome to give our office manager a call at 718-238-6500. 718 718- 6500 You know, we can talk about estate planning in a lot of different ways, but, uh, but you know, there's no one right answer for everybody, but the right answer is to do something, because the worst thing you can do is do nothing. I see a lot of people, they pass away, they didn't have a plan in place, and it's a disaster for the family. Come into Connors & Sullivan, make up a plan, we'll help you make up a plan. Again, give us a call, 718-238-6500. I guess David Kincaid is telling us the show's over tonight. So Goodbye, ready? see you next week.